uh, I asked uh, Pastor Dave to choose an appropriate video for Mother's Day, and that one was <laughs> right on the mark. It actually brought tears to my eyes because I saw my wife in that uh, place of that woman, and uh, it, it's, it's the truth. I mean, my wife striving to read her Bible and come closer to God in her own personal time, but it turned out she didn't have much personal time <laughs> through the years, and even now, she's still working, of course, and... Uh, she does her best, but once again, we just praise all you moms and all you ladies in our congregation today. I also wanted to mention, I forgot to mention earlier, it is our custom to have a meal after services. So I hope uh, you will take time to uh, stay with us. After services are over, we'll set up some tables and chairs, and uh, the ladies always have more than enough food, and there's no charge, and I know that there's chicken today, so that's always a, a big hit. So please make plans to stay with us and fellowship a little bit after services. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Well, we've come to the main message portion of our service now, the sermon, so let's start with prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, as we open our Bibles and read your word, we just pray that you'll open our eyes and our hearts to take in uh, what you've written here. We studied last week, and we know that we're to love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. So, Lord, we know we need to learn about you. And the more we learn about you, the more there is to love about you. So please help us today as we, we study and help us to come to a deeper understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> today I would like to talk about uh, Jesus relationship with women. Uh, the, the sermon is titled, How Jesus Treated Women. And as we're going to see, he had a revolutionary approach toward women compared to the culture in which he lived when he walked this earth. Let me read a couple of paragraphs to you here describing the Jewish culture, and I'm not here to, to uh, you know, put down the Jewish people in any way back in that historical time, because most nations at this time had basically the same approach toward women. This is what it says. Jewish culture in the first century was decidedly patriarchal. That means men were in charge, not matriarchal, but patriarchal. The daily prayer of Jewish men included this prayer of thanksgiving. Praise be God that he has not created me to be a woman. Can you believe that? That was true. A daily prayer of a Jewish man. A woman's place was thought to be in the home. Women were responsible for bearing the children, rearing them, and maintaining a hospitable home. Men were not to greet women in public. Some Jewish writers of Jesus' time, such as Philo, taught that women should never leave the home except to go to the synagogue. Generally, marrying young, a woman was almost always under the protection and authority of a man, her father, her husband, or a male relative of her husband if she was a widow. This left women in a very vulnerable position within Judaism. They had little access to property or inheritance except through a male relative. Any money a woman earned belonged to her husband. Men could legally divorce a woman for almost any reason simply by handing her a writ of divorce. A woman, however, could not divorce her husband. 
In the area of religious practice, women were in many ways overlooked. Men were required to pray certain prayers daily, but women were not. While the study of scripture was regarded as extremely important for men, women were not allowed to study the sacred texts. Rabbi Eliezer, a first century teacher, is noted for saying, rather should the word of the Torah be burned than entrusted to a woman. At the temple in Jerusalem, women were restricted to an outer court. In synagogues, they were separated from men and not permitted to read aloud. They were not allowed to bear witness in a religious court. So this is the society in which Jesus lived. And we're going to see in Scripture today four ways that Jesus turned these rules and regulations upside down. He honored women. He respected women. And he opened the door, so to speak, for women to take their place under the terms of the new covenant. So let's look today at four different examples of Jesus' approach toward women. Now we know that Jesus was never married himself. There have been some apocryphal books, not in the Bible, uh, that suggest that Jesus married Mary Magdalene, but he didn't. You know, there were a lot of books written about Jesus uh, in the day. Many of them had made up stories. Many of them had crazy ideas. We have faith and confidence that the books we have in our Bible are the ones that the apostles accepted, were familiar with, and knew to be truthful. So, you know, if you're watching a show on the History Channel or some other TV program and it says, well, you know, somebody wrote a book saying that Jesus was married and now they're trying to find his descendants because they must be very special people. No, Jesus was never married and he didn't have any descendants. So hopefully that's clear in your mind. But he had respect for women. He interacted with women on several different occasions. And we're going to look at four of them now. The first point that I want to bring out now in talking about how Jesus treated women is that Jesus spoke with women in public. Now, that was unheard of in his day. Uh, it was frowned upon. Women needed to know their place, so to speak, and they didn't interact in conversation with men in public. They could talk to their husband at home, but with re regard to men, and especially a rabbi, uh, and Jesus was in that role as he walked the earth. He was the Messiah and the Son of God, but he was also known as a rabbi, a teacher. Turn with me to John chapter 4 and verse 4. And here's an example that was alluded to a little bit earlier by uh, the gentleman, Hebertikus, in the uh, video talking about Jesus. This has to do with Jesus' conversation with a Samaritan woman. John 4, beginning in verse 4. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman, now don't forget, Samaritans were considered enemies or outcasts by the Jewish people. They actually came into the land when the Israelites were taken into captivity and they were never accepted by the people of Israel or by the Jews. 
So they were considered outsiders. They were in the country illegally, so to speak, in their minds. So when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples weren't there. They had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, she was shocked because she was never spoken to by perhaps a man in public, let alone a Jewish man. She said, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So Jesus broke the rules. He took it upon himself, not just to talk to a woman in public, but to talk to a Samaritan woman in public. And as it turns out, a sinful Samaritan woman. Rabbis just didn't do this. But Jesus took it upon himself to engage her in a conversation. And as we're going to see, it's an extended dialogue with her in which he teaches her many truths. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So immediately, to a Samaritan woman, he's talking theology. He's talking about what he represents as the Son of God and talking about the Holy Spirit as water that flows. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well? And drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. So he's going beyond the physical H2O that's in the well, and he's talking about another kind of water, a living water, symbolized by the Holy Spirit that is available to us through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. So these are heavy, heavy concepts that he's introducing to this woman, a Samaritan woman, and as it goes on to explain, a sinful Samaritan woman. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty again and have to keep coming here to draw water. So she didn't quite get the point. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. Another heavy spiritual concept that he shares with this woman. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Now Jesus spent a lot of time in his three and a half year earthly ministry avoiding telling people who he was. He would perform miracles and say, now don't tell anybody what I've done because he was, he was holding off as far as revealing who he truly was. 
the Messiah, the Son of God. But he freely tells this woman in their discussion. Just then his disciples returned, and they were shocked too to see him talking to a woman. They were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? So, what an interesting story, an interesting account. Like other ancient cultures, most Jewish people did not have much regard for a woman. And it turns out that she goes ahead back to her hometown and tells the news of her encounter, and it says many people were called to salvation by her witness and by what she shared about her conversation with Jesus. So her witness proved to be very effective. And who did Jesus delegate this to? Not a man, not a a Jewish leader, not a scribe, not a Pharisee, to a woman. So you see, Jesus had great respect for women. He was felt very comfortable sharing spiritual concepts and spiritual truths with them. And I think it's an outstanding example of how Jesus kind of turned the norms of his culture upside down because he had great respect for women. Now, another example of Jesus doing this and how he changed things, not only that he spoke with women in public, he also had respect and compassion for women. Whereas a lot of Jewish teachers of his day would have no time whatsoever for women, certainly not talk with them in public, but he went out of his way to show respect and compassion. I remember a story here in Luke chapter 8. Turn there with me, if you will. Luke chapter 8. Again, to give you a little bit of background about what the law said and what was expected, Women, of course, with their monthly menstrual cycle, when they were experiencing that, if any blood was flowing from their body, they were considered to be ritually unclean. In this condition, women were not allowed to participate in most religious rituals. Anything or anyone that she touched during this period of time was considered to be unclean. So you can imagine women... They had to be very careful when this time of month came around. They didn't socialize. They didn't go into places with crowds for fear that they accidentally touched somebody. And then that, not only was she considered unclean for that period of time, but anybody that she touched was considered unclean and could not participate in religious rituals. And uh, that's what the law required. But here in Luke chapter 8, in verse 43, let's read this. Luke 8 and verse 43. It says, As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. But no one could heal her. So in in effect, she had a, a menstrual period 12 years long, if you can imagine that. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. And immediately her bleeding stopped. Now Jesus sensed that someone had touched his clothing, seeking healing. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. So I don't understand fully what that's all about, but Jesus 
was able to sense that healing went to this woman through him, and he wanted to find out who it was. Then the, the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, notice he doesn't say woman, but daughter, it's kind of a shortened version of the phrase daughter of Abraham. Many times men, Jewish men, referred to each other or they were referred to as a son of Abraham. And when they were called that, that meant that they were indeed a member of the Jewish community, uh, allowed to enjoy all of the privileges that went along with being a member of the Jewish community, a son of Abraham. No one ever called women a daughter of Abraham. But in this case, and in other verses in the Bible, he refers to certain women as daughter or daughter of Abraham, which means she as a woman also, not just men, but she as a woman also was to enjoy all the privileges of being a member of the Jewish community uh, and all of the rights that go along with that. That's the way Jesus viewed women. So he doesn't just say woman, he says, daughter, your faith has healed you, go in peace. So this is extraordinary in Jesus' day, that a woman could have mercy and compassion showed to her and to be healed. So instead of Jesus judging her, and he could have judged her in many harsh ways because she was breaking the rules. She had a flow of blood, and here she was touching people in a crowd and specifically touching Jesus, which would have, in Old Testament times, made him unclean. But he just totally ignores that because it's a different time. It's a different season. Instead of harsh judgment from the Torah, now compassion and forgiveness and healing are going out from Jesus. He's showing that a new day has come. So that is just amazing. And like I said, quite extraordinary for Jesus' time. But he has this respect to reach out to women to provide what they need. And he helped this woman in a very powerful way, a miraculous way. So we've seen so far that Jesus broke the rules. He spoke to women in public. He had respect and compassion on people, even if it meant bypassing some of the strict Old Testament laws and regulations. Here's a third area where Jesus changed things. Jesus had women disciples. Women disciples. And again, this was very different from what went on in the society because there were a lot of rabbis who traveled around and taught and spoke and, and there were scribes as well, but none of them had female disciples. Now, I'm not talking about the apostles. We know that there were 12 apostles and they were all men. And I'm sure God had his reasons for choosing all men for that. But there were others who followed Jesus and listened to him and learned from him Others beside the 12 apostles, and they're known as disciples, okay? So often a crowd followed Jesus and sat with him and heard him speak and learned from him and uh, 
we're told that at the time of Pentecost, after Jesus ascended up to heaven, when the disciples assembled together, it says there were 120 of them. And mixed in with them, of course, were many women. And that wouldn't have happened with other rabbis of Jesus' day. They had male followers. Let's turn to Luke chapter 10. Since we're here, Luke chapter 10, and we'll begin in verse 38. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, so Jesus with the apostles and with a crowd following him, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary, your sister, has chosen what is better. And what was that? To sit at the feet of Jesus and to listen to him and to learn from him. Mary has chosen what is better than the physical service, the cooking, the cleaning, physical preparations. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So it's interesting, in the case of these two sisters, Martha, she kind of looked at things in an Old Testament way, if you will. The woman's place is in the house. The woman's place is to do the cooking. The woman's place is to make sure the house is cleaned and hospitable for any visitors that come in. So she was focused on the Old Testament. Mary, her sister, she didn't want to bother with that kind of work. She knew that sitting at Jesus' feet was what was really important, to actually become a disciple of Jesus. So notice Jesus didn't say to Mary, yeah, go help your sister clean up because your place is in the home. No, he welcomed Mary to sit at his feet and to listen like all the other disciples. He says that that is the most important thing. The most important thing. So Mary was a disciple. Martha was fixated on the Old Testament role of women, of doing the physical work. So like I said, amongst the crowd that followed Jesus, there are other scriptures that say many of the women who were disciples and followed Jesus were the ones who were financially supporting Jesus and his ministry. And there were different women who worked and had different jobs, yet they followed Jesus as disciples and were vital in the financial support of Jesus and his ministry. Since we're here in Luke, look at uh, Luke chapter 8 and verse 1. Luke 8 verse 1. It says, After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve apostles were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. And it named some of Jesus' female disciples. Mary Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Cuzza, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So, whereas other Jewish rabbis would have been offended 
and would have seen no place for women to be disciples because women aren't supposed to read the scripture, just men. Jesus welcomed these women to come and along with all the others to sit at his feet and to hear his teaching and to become followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus. The fourth area where Jesus turned things around, not only did he speak to women in public, have respect and compassion for them in special ways and have women disciples, some women and not men received Jesus' revelation. In other words, special, important teaching from Jesus, spiritual or theological teaching that not even men received. Now, we already saw where he told the Samaritan woman that he was the Messiah, where he kept that secret from many, many people. He didn't want that revealed, but yet he took it upon himself to, to reveal to that Samaritan woman that he's the Messiah. He said, I'm the one. It's me. He told Martha uh, at another time and in another verse at the, the time where Jesus came, remember Lazarus, Mary and Martha's brother had died, and Jesus came on the scene and raised Lazarus from the dead. And in that passage there in John chapter 10 or 11 it is, he said, I am, and he's speaking to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. An an important, powerful revelation about who he was as he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. He told that to a woman, not a man, a woman. And don't forget that when Jesus rose from the dead after his crucifixion, who was the first one to come and to actually witness the fact that Jesus rose from the dead? It was Mary Magdalene. Remember, she came there to anoint the body or or to do whatever was required. And Jesus was there and she didn't recognize him at first, but then she did. And he revealed himself, in in other words, that he had risen from the dead, that he was alive again, and he sent her with the message to the disciples, the men, the, the apostles, and they wouldn't believe her. So he revealed it to a woman, and the guys, she must be crazy. You know, she must have dreamed this. But he had really risen from the dead, and he revealed that to a woman. So you see, in these ways, and I'm sure there are others, Jesus turned his culture around for the sake of women. In a culture where women were rejected, were were put down, were not paid any attention to, who were pretty much slaves in their own house and to their own family, Jesus lifted women up, put them in their rightful place, as daughters of God. Just as we men can be sons of God through Jesus Christ, children of God, in other words, so women have the same rights. The same rights. So as we gather together as Christians under these new covenant times, we are to understand that women have the same rights as Christians as the men do. In fact, we as men should know and should learn over the years 
Because, you know, there are still religions on the face of the earth today that put women down. You know, where women have to be covered all the time. And I know that's, I don't fully understand why they do that, but they still do it. Women are not to show their faces or their, or their hair in public or things like that. And, uh, you know, I know that in the history of our country, there have been Christian groups where the men come in one door to worship and the women come in a separate door to worship. And the men sit on the main floor and the women have to sit in the balcony. Where was that? In Kentucky. We went and visited a group, uh, a property where the Shakers, you've all heard of the Shakers, used to meet. And I was just blown away. Now, that goes back 100 years or more. But they were Christian people. And, you know, the women were just put down and restricted in so many ways under the name of Christianity that it was just totally shocking. So I'm glad that God has brought us through those days and through those cultural practices where he has opened our eyes to see that we are all equal before God. We are all equal. Women are gifted just as men are gifted. And I think still to this day today, some women are very shy about using their gifts and their talents that God has given them, thinking that, well, maybe some of the men will judge me if I get up there or come up to speak, and I'd like to share something about God, but I dare not because as I stand up here and look at the crowd, some men will probably be upset or whatever. No, times have changed. Jesus set the pace. Jesus showed us the way. That we are all equal. There is no male or female, so to speak, in terms of Christianity and as, as followers of Jesus Christ. We're all equal. God does not look at those differences. He has made us all one in Christ. So we can rejoice in that. Women are equal inheritors of eternal life. They're recognized for their gifts and talents that God has given them. They are welcome to use those gifts and talents as a part of church services in any other way they can use them. They are fully accepted as children of God. In fact, they are made in the image of God. We all are. So we praise God and worship him for that wonderful truth. So uh, on this day of remembering Mother celebrating her, loving her. Uh, we know that God has a special place in his heart for the ladies in our midst. So uh, I wanted to once again invite you to refreshments after services, and we're going to close with the final hymn. So uh, we'll have the uh, praise team come forward, and we're going to sing uh, Stand Up for Jesus. Are we ready with that? Okay, take a look and see.